shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Yes, for the samples, because seasonal allergies are no joke in the state of Tennessee. Or Kentucky, where I spend the summers at Hopetown. I spend most of the summer outdoors and could not function without allergy relief. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. You just described my exact state in waking up minus the need for coffee. (laughs) I've been taking Claritin D for my allergies for years, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can be outside with the kids at camp without my eyes watering like a fountain, and I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. But at Hopetown, a frog could jump into your boat or your bed, (laughs) and Claritin can't really help with that. That's true, but they've got allergies covered. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff. I'm David Thomas. And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And we're so glad you've set aside a few minutes to spend with us today. In each episode of this podcast, we'll share some of what we're learning in the work we do with kids and families on a daily basis at Daystar Counseling in Nashville, Tennessee. Our goal is to help you care for the kids in your life with a little more understanding, a little more practical help, and a whole lot of hope. So pull up a chair and join us on this journey from our little yellow house to yours. The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Minnow provides meaningful screen time and shared experiences for families to help you grow in your faith together. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.g-o-m-i-n-n-o.com. Well, I am so excited about this episode of the podcast. And maybe a little nervous because we don't know what's coming. <laughs> I think there was a lot of nervousness. It's not just us that are nervous. I think our parents are a little bit nervous. Yes, I think my mother has developed a severe case of the flu. And, <laughs> and, and no, she is very excited. We are excited for each of us to introduce you to one of our parents. Yes. And in thinking about having this time with our parents, we felt like it was important to note that all three of us have lost one of our parents. Mm-hmm. Melissa lost her dad, and you and I have lost our moms, and felt like it would be really just a gift to be able to sit with the parents that we still have and yeah. to have them tell stories mm-hmm. and reflect on, you know, as we've been spending this whole season talking about the differences between parenting today and parenting at one time in history and their unique perspective because your mom, Melissa, is... She's 96. (sighs) Wow. And so many people ask me, what does your mom do? What is her secret? Because she still is outside painting, gardening, throwing big cleaning. When she can't sleep at night, she gets up and vacuums and cleans the (laughs) house. And it's not 
been real contagious for her daughter. But <laughs> that is not yes. true. Our cat from the same cloth. Yes, no, you thanks. are. Will you tell them a little bit about your mom? The first thing that just comes to mind is her love for books and gardening, cooking. And what I remember the most is the bookmobile, because we did love books so much, and Mother learned to live creatively. So she started driving the bookmobile when I was probably seven or eight years old. And I remember riding in the bookmobile and uh, going to all these little stores and going all over the rural part of Kentucky delivering books. And I even remember learning how to drive the bookmobile in the backyard. Or books flying out the back. <laughs> yeah, books flying all over the place. But the bookmobile grew bigger. And she went on to start the library in our hometown. And with her love for books, she also developed a love of the arts and became head of the Arts Council in Kentucky and did a lot of speaking and traveling. So I am very proud of her achievements. She is a remarkable woman. Yes, she is. I hear that she's called the Queen of Murray. Often. <laughs> she is. She loves that. Yes. Uh, well, it feels very fitting. Yes. And there just are not a lot of 96-year-olds doing podcasts. <laughs> that is such a picture of Margaret Trevathan. Yes. Tell us about your dad. I think in this day and time, I'm asked multiple times a week if I'm related to Bob Goff. I have my very own version of Bob Goff, not the author. And he's actually the second Bob Goff. My grandfather was Bob Goff. I was looking back through some bins that I have of different memories and things, and I found this letter my grandfather sent me when I was a kid, and it was something called the Kiplinger Report, which evidently used to go out to like yes. youth. I don't even know, like a letter that went out sure. uh-huh. talking about different things. It was talking about how the country was moving towards these roads that would connect every city called interstates. This had come across his desk, and my grandfather connected with a man named Kimmins Wilson, who started Holiday Inns. And so he got in in the very beginning, was part owner of the first Holiday Inn outside the United States in San Juan, Puerto Rico, where I lived when I was, I think, one year old. And so my dad was a partner of Goff and Associates, where they owned multiple Holiday Inns. He did that my whole life. And when I was In college, I can't remember how old I was, he became the president of the International Association of Holiday Inns. And when I think about all the things like that, I mean, I'm so proud of him for doing that. I remember going to these, anyway, I got to go to all these cool things with them and it was just an amazing thing. And also though, I think some of my favorite things is he taught me a love of music in a way and dancing. They used to call it the Arkansas Push, but I think it's really called the Jitterbug. But really? I can't count the hours that we spent in my den with him teaching me how to do. I could never get when you're supposed to push and when you're not supposed to push, but huh. to Motown music. And you love it still. I still oh, love it. Uh-huh. And I'm equally proud of him being the president of Holiday Inns and the Arkansas Push and a whole lot of other things along the way. But he's my favorite, Bob Goff. Sorry, author Bob Goff, if you're listening. And has a great smile that you and your sister both inherited as yes. well. My mom said she married him because of the twinkle in his eye. <laughs> I always loved. I love that. Well, my dad was a lifelong educator. He started out as a high school teacher, and then he was the superintendent of schools in our hometown for wow. several years. Loved kids. He How did. Cool loved kids. He worked on the college level. So he's worked with students in different capacities his whole life. And I think it's probably a little bit of why I married a teacher. You know, I just think that people who love students, that just was so familiar to me through my growing up. And Melissa, I was thinking too that 
going to the library was such an important part of my growing up too. And my dad was on the library board when I was growing up as well. And so I think every summer my mom would drive us to the library and we would sign up for the summer book club and you get a prize at the end if you read so many books. And I think it had so much to do with growing up in a home where learning and reading were so valued and so, so thankful for that. And he would say his proudest job now is being a grandfather. Yes. So uh, he is a proud what a grandfather, grandfather he is. to yes, my yes. kiddos. Yeah. So we're super excited to share these people with you all today. Well, today is a really special day for us here at the podcast. We have had some fascinating guests on the podcast, but my suspicion is that today is going to take the cake. I think you're exactly uh, right. Yes. I don't know quite where we're going to go from this episode. This might be the last episode of the podcast. <laughs> this is just the icing on the cake. Uh, the cake is gone. <laughs> we have some of our favorite people on the podcast yes, today. Yes, we do. We are super excited to introduce you to Margaret Trevathan, who is Melissa's mom. Bob Goff, who is Sissy's dad, and Monty Thomas, who is my father. And we thought it would be so fitting that this season is called Modern Parents Vintage Values that we would invite our parents on to help us think back on the way things were at different points along the way. As I was even thinking about Modern Parents and Vintage Values, I was realizing we don't have really any modern in the room right now, but we have a lot of vintage between all of us. And we're excited to do some thinking back. So we're going to start our conversation with this question. And Margaret would love to even ask if you would answer this first. What is one of the issues you think is harder for parents today that was different when your parents were raising you? If I have to answer just one thing of change, I'm going to have trouble. (laughs) But in my small world, my parents were in charge. And I thought of this many times. You did not negotiate with your parents. And if you did not obey, you were allowed to be punished. (laughs) (laughs) That's the way it was 96 years ago. Mm. We were given a lot of freedom because there was no reason not to, for one thing. Mm. The things that I did as a child would not be permissible today. Well, that <laughs> didn't come out just right. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be enough, mother. Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, leading a gang of our neighborhood kids down to the Ohio River where the rocks were. There were people that came in and out of there. But my parents never, ever even questioned us when we would get home eight hours later. It was okay because we followed the rules. We all came back (laughs) and it, it was wonderful. Today, so many of the parents are dealing with more than their children. They're dealing with their children's wishes and their desires, and keeping up with the kid next door, and so forth. Mm-hmm. We didn't even question that. We were happy if the young lady next door got something that we couldn't have, which did happen. And the parents today are faced with so much with this ongoing demand for new and improved iPhones and laptops and so forth. And mm-hmm. as I reflect our electronic 
peace in our house, and it was all right with us, was a tabletop radio. And my parents were in charge of that programming. <laughs> so wow. it was it was family time, singing time, game playing time. Well, I wouldn't have changed it at that time for you. Mm. There's a great contrast, and I love being able to reflect and see that. Thanks, Mother. Molly, you going to add? Well, I think Margaret certainly touched on several things that I'd thought about, but the main one that I see that is so different from my childhood is all of the technology. Yes. I know... Whitten, Baker, and Lily look at me sometimes like I was born in, on another planet somewhere. <laughs> when I say there, there was no internet, I was in the fifth grade when we got our first television, and it was black and white. It yes. wasn't color. Thinking about the children today just literally have the whole world at their fingertips I couldn't go Google and find something instantly. I didn't have spell check to tell me when I was wrong (laughs) and all of those things. And yet I think that brings on such a level of challenge for parents today that my parents didn't have. Margaret, I so appreciate what you said about the sense of community that we grew up in. I've thought about that a lot, that the street where I lived when we were growing up, during the summers when we were out of school, we could go out early in the morning, uh, my brother and I could, and we could stay all day long. That's right. And my parents didn't worry about us. Right. Mm. And it was understood if I was at the Standish's next door, the Roses across the street or wherever, if I got out of line, they would discipline me just like my parents would. Mm. And I'd better not go home and tell my parents, you won't believe what Miss Standish said to me, uh, or I was in worse trouble. Uh, It was just understood that we were disciplined if we needed to be. And therefore, my parents didn't worry about us, and we could stay until after dark. One particular time of year that really sticks out in my mind was Halloween, We worry so now about even children getting a bad piece of candy or something. We went by ourselves, but we knew the limits of where we could go, but the treats were all homemade. Mm. Mamas, you're probably not going to want to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) My mother was always in charge of popcorn balls. Oh, she'd spend a couple of days getting all the popcorn balls made and the sauce just right. But we looked forward to going to the different houses because the treats were just outstanding. Mm. So those things are different now. And I know that's a real challenge for parents to find that sense of community Community for their children to be a part of. That's right. Yes. Dad, what would you say? Well, I think Margaret and Monty have covered it. Can I go home? <laughs> no. No, we want to hear your <laughs> I've thought about the same things that they talked about. And the social media part of, of the high technology is, in my opinion, where a lot of the problems lie. And we just didn't have those problems back then that the interactions with the kids and saying one thing to one person is one thing when we were growing up, but you say something and a hundred people see it or a thousand people see it. I mean, it just multiplies the problems. Mm. You might be able to get out of saying one thing to one person, but if you said a thousand bad things, 
you're probably in deep trouble. Yes. And then I think the other thing along that same line is that the time wasted on social media, as they said, we felt safe outside. We played outside. We rode our bikes. We played baseball. We played football. We played everything outside and it could be gone for hours and our parents didn't worry. But those worries are there today and you just can't do that, I guess. But Hmm. I think there's still things you can do outside in your neighborhood that you can feel safe doing. But Mm -hmm. that's what I feel about it. Yeah, that's good. David, did you get your taxes finished? (laughs) What did you say? (laughs) What are you eating? Okay, I am obsessed with these new Chipotle barbecue kettle chips. Will you share? I would have, but they are all gone. Where did you get them? Thrive Market. Oh, how much do we love Thrive Market? I could record an entire podcast about that topic. You know who else loves Thrive Market? Patches. She loves the surf and turf meaty littles from the Honest Kitchen. I love that Patches has a surf and turf situation going on. (laughs) From pets to kids to grownups, everyone can find things they love at Thrive. Thrive Market is my go-to for all my grocery and household essentials. And the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to my doorstep is a huge time saver. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and I can use their on-site filters to suit my lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with a few clicks. And as a Thrive Market member, I save money on every single grocery order. On average, I save over 30% each time. They even have a deals page that changes daily and always has some of my favorite brands. David, how much did you save on your last order? I saved $32. I saved over $12.67. How much did Patches save? (laughs) A lot. She's ordering more than I am. You got me hooked on ordering frozen foods. I got salmon, bacon, and pork this month. Something else I love is when you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. I love that too. Save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash RBG for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash RBG. Thrivemarket.com slash RBG. Sissy, we just spoke in town last night and reminded the parents in the room about putting on their oxygen mask first. That great reminder that flight attendants give parents when they board flights. With summer rolling around and kids home more hours of the week than ever, that reminder feels so important. A hilarious dad who works from home told me last night at the book table that when school ends, sometimes his sanity does as well. (laughs) (laughs) You know who could help that dad out? Our friends at Wendy. Wendy is here to help parents relieve the stress in finding high-quality sitters when they need them. I am talking daily with parents who are worried about summer childcare logistics. Wendy offers a nanny service where they match college students with families for the summer. We all love summer, and your kids especially love summer, but we lose the consistent schedule of kids in school. 
This creates all kinds of problems. Thankfully, there is a solution to this problem. Wendy, that's W-Y-N-D-Y, is an app that connects families to college student nannies literally in minutes. These college student nannies are background checked, interviewed, and honestly, just awesome. Wendy has been around for seven years. Over 20,000 families have used Wendy to complete more than 140,000 jobs. There are hundreds of qualified college student nannies on Wendy ready to work near you. Families have greater childcare needs in the summer and college students are looking for jobs. Wendy is here to match families to these college nannies. Everybody wins. This could be part-time or full-time. Wendy has a match for your needs. All you have to do is go to wendy.com slash rbg to start a search for a nanny. And as a special offer, they are going to knock $50 off your search if you go through that link. Wendy provides top-notch service, but at a fraction of the cost of a traditional nanny agency and no ongoing fees. Here's how it works. Go to wendy.com slash rbg to start your search. A Wendy concierge will find great matches for your job and set up interviews for you. You choose the one you like. Get started now because there are a lot of parents out there looking for nannies for the summer. Go to wyndy.com slash rbg. Monty, why don't we start with you on this question? If you had to say something from your childhood that you wish was still true today, what would you say? Something about the world. I think one thing that I would like to see again is the level of respect that I think was present at mm-hmm. that time. Just like I said about the next door neighbor, if she corrected me, I respected her for that. I would not question that at all. And I say that then on a wider circle, moving out to people in roles of leadership and so on, that they were respected and they earned respect. Mm-hmm. I'm so fearful that we are just losing sight of that today, that we're so quick to criticize everybody and everything And yet we're not willing to look in the mirror as much and say, hmm, what about number one here? Where am I with that? Why should I criticize someone else unless I think I can do a better job with it? I think that's one thing that I do think we're losing sight of is that level of respect for each other. It seems to be disappearing. Agreed. Yes, that's so true. Right. Bob, what would you say to that? I certainly agree with that, but I was thinking back to the previous question, and I wish that the kids were able to play outside, and the camaraderie, the boys loved what they were doing, the girls, and even though in grade school we had a boys' playground and a girls' playground. Wow. I don't know why they segregated us back then, but... Maybe it was for the good. I don't know. But (laughs) I just wish the kids were able to play outside and create that camaraderie and that fun that we had. Mm. Mm. Margaret, what about you? I think that they're very right about the great outside because we all three, regardless of time, appreciated getting turned loose early in the morning (laughs) and we were out in nature. Sometimes our parents would join us. In my instance, and sometimes we were just 
on our own. So just respect for each other. And sometimes we have to be as old as we are to discover that respect. My saving grace in my family of a lot of children was a sense of humor. And I still say that's the bottom line almost of every personality that you're dealing with every friend if you can retain that sense of humor along with the respect you've just about got your personality stamped as good so i think that's great thanks mother bob what's a book or a movie that you think every family should watch together or read. Before you answer that, Dad, I want to say I love this question for you because <clears throat> those of you who are listening know we kind of have an interesting family dynamic where I was an only child for 16 years and then my mom and dad got pregnant. Dad, I don't know if you remember this, but mom said that my response when y'all told me was, I didn't know y'all did that anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> I do remember that. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so I had this little sister who was 16 years younger, and she was born when you were 43. Is that right? I believe that's right. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I remember the most about when she was growing up and would come stay with you. I think every weekend you were showing her a classic movie. Right. I mean, I remember specifically her watching The King and I, so many different things. I don't know if that would be your answer, but I always love that you did that with Kathleen. That's great. Yeah, we did do a lot of dance shows and things like that. I can't think of the names of all of them, but I was really thinking about something even older than that that might be fun to watch. And probably kids today have already seen was Wizard of Oz. Mm. They say there are a lot of deeper meanings to that movie. Some are even political, which certainly we don't need to talk about that. But <laughs> in looking into it, they talk about how Dorothy changed from the beginning where she was really into herself and things and how she grew and changed during the movie. So maybe that's something that you can see it and then discuss it afterwards. That's a great idea. It'd be a great yeah. to sit down with the parents and the kids and mm -hmm. have a discussion about it. That's a great one. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. David, I don't know how much you share with your audience about your upbringing and your past, but... We would love David's. to hear more, Monty. You just tell those stories. That's David's, so true. David's a real movie buff, and I've got to say he didn't fall far from the tree on that one because I'm a real movie buff as well, and we've always, through the years, just gone to see lots of movies. I always enjoyed taking him to movies that sometimes could be a little on the questionable side. Sometimes mom would even say, are you sure you need to take him <laughs> to see that movie? And I said, but I want to talk to him about mm. it. I want to, you know, see what he thinks about it and what he's thinking and understand that. One of the ones that I thought about, and he and I just saw the stage presentation of it not too long ago, is To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm. It's just such a rich, full story, but so much there that needs yes. to be discussed and needs to be talked about and needs to be addressed. And uh, then I think to Christmas time, and I think you, David, still do it with your family too. It's a wonderful life. Mm. There's just so much meaning there. Mm -hmm. And again, so much to talk about. Yes. That's the time when you can learn so many things about your children when they're 
oh, you know what I thought when I saw that, and right. and so on. You can learn some really interesting things. But those were just a couple that popped into my mind when I was thinking about that question. Thank you, right. Monty. Well, Mother, I think you will have a lot to say, and I do too, because we gathered around books a lot. So what do you think? What would you recommend for families today? You know, Melissa, I had a great difficult time of choosing one or two books. But Mm -hmm. let me remind you of the book that your dad, who was not the great reader that we are, but your dad (laughs) loved. Uh, Sissy, Uh you're going to laugh at this. Emma (laughs) Otter's Jug Time Judd Christmas. Yes. Yes, <laughs> I found that book in the children's section, as the kids call it here in my library, and they loved it all over again. And we had the video of that. But for some reason, that struck such a chord with our family when we saw how Ben liked it, that this copy I have, this children's copy, and it's written by a very reputable author, Russell Holbin, in 1971. Anyhow, it has, I don't want to say a lesson, but it has a story. Illustrations are beautiful. And I presented then this book, (laughs) gosh, I've forgotten when, maybe 1980 or something like that. It's got to Ben who loves his story. He's not even a child. He's Melissa's dad. (laughs) We all loved it. He led the way in us seeing and reading and understanding the lesson learned in this. And then there was Annie that we've all watched together, including all of us, Annie the musical and the orphan Annie. And that was a book that we loved so well. And then I began thinking about different ages of how if a parent, was dealing with a very young child. I just got through buying the little engine that could and because all <laughs> of ours were worn out. And none are classical, but they all have, Annie has such a hope lesson, which is what you're mm-hmm. trying to tell people. There is hope. Mm-hmm. So those three were the ones that I want others to see for the pleasure of reading them, and maybe learning something from them. Mm. They're great suggestions. All of those. That makes me want to go watch all of those movies. Mm-hmm. It's too. so fun to think about. If I could add one other quick thing that just popped into my mind with my grandchildren, the Harry Potter series came yes. along. When Lily was starting, and Lily's such an, that's my granddaughter, was such an avid reader, And I started reading the Harry Potter series with Lily, read each one of those long books all the way through. Then not far behind Lily came the twin boys, and they wanted to read Mm -hmm. Harry Potter, and Poppy was supposed to read with them as well. (laughs) So I read the whole series again. I I don't say that in a bragging way, but it was such a fun experience Mm. with them. To do that, and again, then to get their take on Harry Potter and those books and what that was saying, it was just a really rich experience. Monty, I'd heard that you did that, that you (laughs) read books alongside them, what they were reading at school, and I have made a mental note and thought, I want to do that with my nephews. I Mm -hmm. love that so much. Absolutely. We're learning with them. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're not reading much about other than good night, good night construction site right now. But we'll get there. <laughs> uh-huh. it, it <laughs> well, if we wanted to keep going, sharing great stories and how all our stories intersect, we'd also tell the story of how after reading the books and seeing the movies, we ended up at Universal at Harry Potter World oh. with Melissa and Sissy and tricked oh. Melissa onto some of the rides oh. that she wasn't fully aware what was about to happen. I could get really sick right now, <laughs> even remembering that. Mm-hmm. You were mm-hmm. the best entertainment, Melissa, going on in Universal that day. I had fun. Your and voice. I still have my shirt that says Grandfather of All Things. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yes. We are so thrilled to be partnering with our friends at Minnow to bring back the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. We all know that devices are here to stay. So if you want to make screen time meaningful for your kids, Minnow is for you. A new streaming service designed just for kids. Minnow has over 2,000 episodes of fun and faith-filled shows that have been carefully curated by moms, dads, and church leaders so it's safe for your family. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.gominnow.com to start your free trial. Well, as we continue to think back, we would love to ask the three of you to tell us something you love from when you were a kid. This could be a favorite TV show, a favorite band, a favorite book. We've been talking about some books, but you may have others. Bob, would you start us off? Well, I hate to date myself, but the oldest books I remember reading besides school books, I guess, were Nancy Drew Mysteries and The Hardy Boys. And I think it gave me a love for reading that I still have today. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. I probably have read every book Michener's ever written, and I just enjoy reading. So I, I think starting early with fun books gives you something to hang your hat on, if you will. But then also, this is probably more Sissy's time when she was growing up, but Little House on the Prairie, as far as a TV show, and the Waltons, I think, were wonderful and just gave a great feeling of family to to everyone. And we all sat around and watched it now. I will say one thing, if you're asking things we enjoyed back then, Margaret would appreciate this, but the family sitting around the radio and listening to Fibber McGee and Molly and <laughs> Lum and Abner and some of those shows. Uh, yes. Just listening to them on the radio and having to concentrate <laughs> and, and create in your mind what the players were doing and where they were going. That's so great. Well, so, you got to tell them the fun fact about Lum and Abner if you're talking about that. Oh, uh, well, I, probably no one there, but Margaret remembers Lum and Abner. But Monty's <laughs> raising his hand. <laughs> they were two hayseeds from Arkansas that had the store called the Jot em Down Store. And uh, one of them actually was my cousin. I think it was Abner, but I get it confused. But one of them was my dad's first cousin, and his name actually was Tuffy, T-U-F-F-Y, Goff, same as my last name. But anyway, they went on to make some movies in uh, Hollywood, and I think finally made a couple of talkies. The first (laughs) ones were not talkies, and then later they were talkies. But we're talking about the late 40s. Early, early 50s. Well, Dad, that's funny to hear you talk about the Waltons because the family that I remember enjoying with you the most, I remember crawling up in your lap and watching the Cunninghams a whole lot. Richie and Joni and when Shachi joined the family. (laughs) Happy days. I wanted to be the fun. I know you did. (laughs) (laughs) My 
might still want to be the fonts, Dad. <laughs> Margaret, what about you? Let me tell you my favorite place and so forth that you're asking is a place. New Harmony, Indiana. You can say yay if you know that place. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> that was only six miles from my hometown and my home. And I remember with the greatest of fondest, my dad trying to get as many of the we kids in the big old Studebaker that would run half the time and half the time. Remember, this was bad times for everyone, but we didn't really know it because we were all the same. So he would drive us maybe at least once a week in the summertime to New Harmony, Indiana. Mother... All of you? How many were in? How many kids? Well, we didn't get that many in that car. Okay, good. I was getting worried because there's seven or eight of you. (laughs) Kids. Some of you know that there were nine kids in my family, and that was wonderful. I wouldn't take anything for that either. For some of them, I might have exchanged. But (laughs) anyway, there weren't all that many home at one time. My parents were very circumspect about that. So in the uh, uh, Studebaker, probably we could get at least four or five of us in there. And that's where I got my love of the arts. And I seem to have acquired that label here with no talent of my own. But in New Harmony, Indiana, there would be very, very talented plays put on, concerts, and art shows. And that is where I got it. My mother and dad knew that we could get a variety of whatever was offered to us. And there was even a wonderful museum built with historical artifacts. So my favorite place from my childhood, barring none, is New Harmony, Indiana. It's still in operation, and I yes. still go there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Monty, what about you? Well, it, it's interesting that this question came up because... David, of our experience just a few weeks ago of going to see the Bing the Ricardos, the new movie that's yes. out on Lucy and Ricky. And Bob, we're all dating ourselves as we go here. <laughs> oh, I love that. We had I Love Lucy night in our house mm. in the 1950s mm. when that was being made. Wow. And I remember how fascinated Whit, my grandson, was with me telling the stories of watching Lucy and Ricky during that era when that was actually being made and being done and then reading about them and knowing about their personal lives and then seeing that film now bring all of that out again. But that was such a a piece of history at that, and still is. Yes. It, it's one of the, the greatest series, I think, that was ever made. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, the way it was done, the content, and I vividly remember when little Ricky was born mm-hmm. and that you didn't show husband and wife sleeping together, let alone <laughs> wife being pregnant and having a child on television. That just didn't happen. And then to think where we are now, yes. <laughs> there's not anything that isn't on television right. now. 
But that was just, again, such a rich experience to have with David and then with Whit also to see that and get to talk about that era when I remember all those things happening. And But I love Lucy was just a favorite. Mm-hmm. Just a favorite. I agree yeah. with you. Yeah. That's great. Bob, switching gears a little bit, a little bit more personal, tell us a story about Sissy that might surprise folks. Oh, I probably shouldn't do this. Why does he have to go first? (laughs) (laughs) Because I do not want Margaret to go first. (laughs) Sissy, those of y'all who know her know that she never caused any problems. She was always sweet to everybody and loved everybody and I will say that in high school, I mean, she had done nothing wrong in her whole life. She and a friend decided one night that they needed a street sign with maybe their initials or name on it or something. So evidently a neighbor called the police (laughs) and the police got the girls. He didn't take them anywhere, but he kept them right there and he called the parents and and the other father and I came down and, and the policeman got us on the side and said, Look, he said, I'm just trying to scare the girls. He said, it's really kind of funny what they were trying to do and how they were trying to do it. But he said, I was just trying to scare the girls. So you might want to keep going on that a little bit and, uh, (laughs) you know, very upset. So so that's what the other father and I did. We acted very, very upset. And, of course, as little boys would do, we had done a lot more than that in our lives. that we didn't want anybody to know about. But that's the only story I can say about Sissy. She didn't go to jail, and I don't think she's been in one since. No, thankfully. <laughs> did not have to go then, but we did dress in all black and took us to flatter. We were very calculated about it. Bob, great. we were hoping you could send us a mugshot that we could put in the show notes <laughs> of this episode. <laughs> For no. sure. But you did a great job of acting scary. I was terrified of you and Dr. Kennedy both. That's great. Oh, yeah, we were we were putting on a show. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But we didn't get the sign, by the way. We didn't even get it off before the policeman no, came. It's terrible. Uh-uh. Mother, I want you to bear in mind that I'm the executive director of uh, <laughs> Daystar Council. I can't and, wait. And, great. Okay. I can't so wait to tell get this to story. share one story. Okay. <laughs> All righty. I could tell a lot of stories on Melissa because... <laughs> Well, we're both outgoing, I guess, and I understand where she's coming from when I tell this story very much. (laughs) Melissa was seven years old and Steve was nine when they appeared together in the dining room. We were about ready to sit down for dinner. And obviously, Lisa had something to say, or they'd been talking about something. And Melissa burst out, we need more kids in this family. (laughs) (laughs) and after the initial shock of that ben said how many money you were talking about yeah how today's movies and so far aren't um, censored well obviously melissa just thought to state her opinion and (laughs) steve just said yes which he normally (laughs) did anything Melissa said (laughs) so after the initial shock ben said how many and then she said at least two and melissa said three or four would be great (laughs) and we said thank you for your thoughtfulness and a little less than two years later, we did present them with Kim, the baby brother, who was so totally unique and different and a lot of trouble. 
that it got <laughs> his favorite song was Ave Maria. I had to sing that every night from the time he was eight months old till he was probably rocking to sleep and saying Ave. Gives you an idea of what they asked for. <laughs> Strangely right. enough, they did not ask for any more. It was wonderful. When I tell this to people that maybe did not plan on having nine children like my mother and dad. But in this case, when I tell them that this was what the children said, we have to have more children. And <laughs> this is what Lisa, I found out later, and she may disagree by now, but I doubt, since we didn't have more than Kim, and he took up so much trouble, I mean time, she <laughs> organized all the neighborhood kids. So. That was just a wonderful part of Melissa that has carried over into her adulthood and her wonderful counseling. And she came up with her interest and she pursued it. And just don't get in the way. She wanted to work <laughs> with children. So fortunately, <laughs> fortunately enough, we had children in that neighborhood that would line up behind her. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, they sure did. They behaved. That's good. Okay, Monty. How much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> no. David was a good fellow all the way through. No real problems there whatsoever. But I one thing did come to my mind, David. Uh <laughs> you have always loved clothes and have been very fond of nice clothes. <laughs> and sometimes clothes that were a little more expensive than we could afford at the time. <laughs> Back in the day, before the polo pony was so prevalent, the Izod alligator was the, yes. the symbol. Mm -hmm. Well, his mom, being the, the very crafty lady that she always was, David had one or two little Izod shirts that had the Izod alligator. Well, as he would outgrow them, she would go to J.C. Penney and buy the, the shirts that we could afford, transfer the alligator to the <laughs> J.C. Penney shirt, and David would proudly wear his little J.C. Penney shirt with the Izod alligator so and feel really good about it. Yes. <laughs> and nobody knew the difference of that. No, not, not really. They didn't, including David at that age. But it didn't take him too many years to figure it out. But then the only other thing that kind of is in that vein, David, you remember the famous picture of the BMW convertible that stayed in your room, and that was the incentive for college, so that when we got out of college, we could have a BMW convertible. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, really? Still I've always had taste a little beyond my budget. <laughs> <laughs> and the BMW picture went to UT with him and wow. stayed there. And I'm not sure we've ever... Yeah, the ever... photo, not the car. Oh, yeah, the, the, the yeah. photo, the photo, by yeah. all means. Yeah, I still haven't purchased that car yet. <laughs> no, no, no. We're, we're still, we've got time, There's but we time. haven't made it to that yet. <laughs> I love it. That's oh, so good. good. Mm. Well, so so we can get off of us kind of quickly. We yes. would love to take it back to y'all. And we would love to know, thinking back out of all that you have learned and what you know now, what would you all say you wish you had known as a young parent? for our folks that are listening. Margaret, will you jump in first? 
to recognize their different personalities and be mm. more helpful in their development. I never felt like I gave enough time, and I'm sure I did, Melissa, uh, because mm. we had family mm-hmm. time. But yes. this podcast is making me remember how all the times that we thought about their future and how their interests were born when they were and they all chose their own pathways and never faltered now that's my three i'm not speaking of anyone else's like the grandchildren (laughs) but my three yes i wish i had known to just listen to what they had to say the very things that i really disliked in my own mother from not being able to negotiate or state our opinion. I was so afraid I was going to do that when I was a mother. And Mm -hmm. sometimes I have. So that's what I wish I had recognized. Today's counselors encourage the parents to listen to their children. I'm sorry Mm -hmm. I didn't listen as much. I forgive you. And uh, (laughs) actually, I cannot ever remember a time that you didn't listen. And it's because we had so much family time, I feel Mm, like. It was more natural. It wasn't just sit down and talk. It was like as we were going along. So That's right. Mm. One of my favorite stories about y'all, Margaret, what I have heard is that it did not ever matter what time of night it was. If it started snowing at your house, you would go wake up your kids and have them Look at the snow with you. Yes. And Melissa was a snow queen of Murray. <laughs> <laughs> and before that, what is inherent is my own mother, who was so stern in many ways, and the boss of the household would always come out with us. So that was instilled in me. I don't remember my grandparents doing it, but she always came out and built a fort. We had snow mm-hmm. ice cream. We had mm-hmm. snowball fights. And it was a wonderful neighborhood for snow. <laughs> yeah, sissy. So right. We still do that. Mother still calls me when it starts to snow in Kentucky. And if I'm here in Nashville, it doesn't matter if it's two o'clock in the morning, I get a call or a text. It's snowing here. And uh, we have a race for who goes first and uh, who gets snow first. Yes. So, yes. Bonnie, what about you? I guess the one thing I wish I personally could have learned to say no to other people and other things earlier in life than I did. I'm a little better at it now than I was mm-hmm. then, so that I would have had more time at home and with my children that I did enjoy so much with them and the things that I wanted to do, but there were so many things that I was involved in and I thought needed to be and had to be involved in. But fortunately, I could involve them in a lot of those same things when I was doing some youth work with the church and so on. Usually the children were always with us when I would do that. And I'm sure probably everybody thinks like that. If I just had more time, if I had just had more time, Mm. but they did fairly well in spite (laughs) of me. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. 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 We'll all agree to that. (laughs) (laughs) Dad, what about you? I think that Margaret and Monty and and I are on the the same wavelength. Those were my working years, and and I was busy, and 
I never really sat down and discussed with you, Sissy, or with Kathleen, with your sister, your school friends and your anxieties and your fears. I mean, those things, I, I don't know. I was a businessman and just my brain didn't work that way. I wish now that I had done more of that and sat down and really listened to y'all. I'm just thankful that your mother obviously did those things or you wouldn't probably have turned out the way y'all did. I just wish that I could have done that and sat down and really discussed things with you on a little deeper level. Well, I have several memories of us doing that. One, I'll have to tell you about another day. We won't go into it now, but you did. You did, yeah. And you taught me to dance to Motown, and that's one of my best skills. Yeah, dancing and water skiing, those were... I shined on those. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. Teaching those. Yes. That's right. So the three of us would say as counselors that we sitting with parents today have never felt like parents are as weary and discouraged and exhausted and even feel like failures that we've ever seen in the years we've been working with families. You know, again, we trust you all and feel like you have so much wisdom and would love to know what you would say to those weary discouraged parents today. Monty, maybe we'll start with you this time. I certainly leave the counseling to you folks. You're far better at it than I am. But I think the only word that I can think of that I would say to parents today, tomorrow, yesterday, whenever, is just love them. Just love them. Excuse me, I I don't say that lightly, but I mean through the good times, the bad times, the hard times, the whatever time, you just have to love them like they are. Mm. Um, They're going to make mistakes. I made mistakes, still do. But loving them unconditionally, whatever they do, whatever they get into or whatever— You always love them. David, one example that really comes to my mind is, you remember the little accident you had in the car when you hydroplaned on the the highway and went off the side of the road and did a fair amount of damage to the car? That's really kind to say. I totaled the car. (laughs) (laughs) And you were back home with your mom, and you were so concerned that I was going to be so upset about that car And I said, no, 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 no. There'll always be cars, but there won't always be you. Mm. And, excuse me, I vividly remember then that just a few days after that, you wrote that paper in your English class about my reaction Mm. that it was okay. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, I think I still have that paper. Wow. Mm. That's great. Wow. Thanks, Dad. Mm, Yeah. Margaret, what would you say? Well, I just found out after 96 years, another thing that makes children happy and parents happy is just to give more praise, forget about all the criticism. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that uh, this even works on friends, but we're talking of our (laughs) offspring. (laughs) (laughs) But to give praise when praise is due and good behavior is a wonderful thing, but it, I also found even with me, (laughs) but we're talking about Mm -hmm. 
for the parents that are dealing with children that are negative and into things they shouldn't be into and so forth, try building a little their self-esteem with praise. And uh, it does work. Mm-hmm. And, and just take time to listen. Time and love and praise, that's kind of connecting all three of us on as we're talking today, right? And that will seem to make a difference. And I'm glad we've talked about all of those things. Me too. Yes. And you do that with grandkids so much and friends and kids. So Yes. <laughs> you do good, Melissa. Yeah. <laughs> Dad, what about you? Well, I just think that every generation, when you're raising children, they're of a different generation than you are. And they're going to have different thoughts and different actions and different ways of doing things. So, I mean, that's one thing to remember is that they're not going to act like you did when you were a child. They're going to have different things going on in their lives, and you just got to respect that. But you still, I think, bottom line is you're setting an example for your children. And as long as you're setting good examples, I think the rest will work itself out. Mm. This too will pass. I mean, whatever the problems are, as long as you're setting good examples, and your kids see that and understand that, then I think you're on the road to recovery, if nothing else. That's good. I have to say, Monty, I saw Dad chuckling when you told a story about David's accident because you were an example of a good driver, and I had so many accidents and speeding tickets along the way. I was working them off at the court as a 16-year-old doing volunteer work alongside my best friend who had had as many tickets as I had. I think we probably had, I don't know how many. Dad, don't, you don't have to answer that. But I did see you chuckle. Yes. Well, I, I do remember you driving your car, trying to wave to someone with your left hand and driving with your right hand and, and maybe trying to change the radio at the same time. <laughs> sure. And uh, the stick and shift. I, I just shook my head and said, this girl's in yes, trouble. Yes. And the court agreed. Yes. <laughs> Well, for someone who stole road signs and bypassed their instructions, you turned out great. Well, thank you. Thank you. Not a good example. There you go. You three, we have loved having this time with you, laughing with you all, crying with you all, listening and learning from you all. And we like to end the questions with something fun and something that is important to all three of us, too, and that's tacos. So Mm. if we could enjoy a taco with each of you, what kind of taco would we get to have? What's your favorite? Margaret, you want to go first? Sorry, I can't even answer that. I could answer what's a favorite chocolate bar. I don't do tacos. (laughs) I was going to (laughs) say. I would take them to other people, but I'm sure I would like them. Because I like uh, burritos, I've just discovered. But instead of eating a taco, I can't answer that. So sorry. Margaret, we love you so much. You can say your favorite chocolate. You could say your favorite anything. My favorite chocolate bar is a snicker, and they're always around. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Glad to know that. Yeah. I took this question a little differently. Rather than an ingredient in a taco, I mean, crispy tacos for sure, but we would have taco night and you would go into the kitchen and build your own tacos. And if you wanted more guacamole or you wanted more sour cream or more meat, you would do it any way you wanted to. So it was kind of fun 
for everyone to build their own tacos. Those are my favorite tacos. Those done in the kitchen, kind of a smorgasbord. Mm, I remember. They were good. <laughs> yep. They were. Well, as we know, food is famous in the Thomas household. It is. And I guess, David, my all-time favorite is where we do Baja on Friday nights, that that's a family tradition. Mm -hmm. And uh, Connie and I are holding forth with that, even though David's traveling and the grandchildren are all out of town and at college. Connie and and I are holding forth at Baja. so great. And then the other one is fajita night that we do on Saturday nights at David and Connie's house. And, Bob, that's build your own fajitas. There you go. And uh, it really gets serious when we have both steak and chicken. Ooh. <laughs> and And I've got to say, they are out of this world. That is so nowhere to go the, on I Saturday think the famous night. saying is, best ever. That's Aww. right, every time. That crops best up ever. about every Saturday so night. I love that. Aww. I love right. that. Yeah. Yes. I'll be there next week. All right. <laughs> Come on over. Both of you. <laughs> You've got yours all picked out and can share your tacos. My Snickers, I don't share. So sorry. <laughs> That's something to be said about tacos. Margaret, you just need to bring your Snickers and come on over on one Saturday night. <laughs> well, it sure would be exceptional. <laughs> Y'all, thank you. I think when we first talked about doing this season, one of the things that we were most excited about was having the three of you on, even though it might be out of the box a little for y'all. We wanted your voices and thought it would be so fun to have this conversation. And obviously, the three of you are so very important to us and such a part of who we are that it felt really important for us to get to have this time and conversation with y'all. So thank you. We love you all so much. And we respect you and your show. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. I think one of the things I thought about when you asked that question about what would we like to have had as young parents and so on, I wish I'd had a little yellow house somewhere. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We all feel that way. Me too, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's right. Well, thank you. Needless to say, we're proud of you. Thank you. This is part one. We'll have y'all back again. Okay. I feel like I should say goodnight, everybody. What did the Waltons say? Oh, night, John Boy. Was that what it was? That's right. That's how we should end this. Night, night, John Boy. Night, Night, Mary Helen. (laughs) 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 The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Minnow helps you make screen time meaningful for your family, which shows kids love and values parents' trust. Check them out at podcast.gomino.com. That's podcast.g-o-m-i-n-n-o.com. It's our joy to bring the experience and insight we gain through our work beyond the walls of the Daystar House. Join us next time for more help and hope as you continue your journey of raising boys and girls.